0: to women's health wisdom and wine a weekly conversation with practitioners providers patients and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges the value of an integrative approach to these challenges many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about and my personal favorite wine I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrated reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larinahwhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod? Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. What better way to end season three but with a Nourish Your Flourish nugget? Approximately one year ago, my now husband, Danny Hauser planted the seed of the podcasting possibility and Rekhara Moore watered it. I knew what podcasts were and had been following several. However, I never imagined that I ever would be guest appearing on anyone's podcast, let alone hosting my own. While I wasn't sure about dipping my toes into the waters, Danny and Rakaya believed that I could, so I believed that I could. And like the bracelet I wear on my left wrist all the time says, she believed she could, so she did. Women's health, wisdom, and wine has been an awesome blessing. For the last year, this podcast has enabled me to meet some of the dopest practitioners, healers, clinicians, wellness professionals, and patients. While some of them I knew before the pod began, The show has helped me to get to know a whole bunch of people that I didn't know before, and I am super blessed to know them now. What a difference a year makes. Utilizing this podcast as a vehicle, I have found my literal and figurative voice. In a country whose healthcare system falls woefully short of addressing the needs of the least of these, namely Black women and their children, my aim is to not only upset the apple cart by revolutionizing the industry, one healing experience at a time, and creating a women's health oasis, fertile ground in a barren land, but to be a disruptor, one who has reimagined what comprehensive, integrated reproductive medicine and women's health care could and should be. The Edamonia Center forms a synergistic flow between conventional medicine and traditional medicine modalities, so the care women receive is not only transformative, it's also restorative. April is a month full of awareness observances. As such, we're going to start off season four using the Nourish Your Flourish Nuggets to talk about some of the lesser known aspects of women's health that we need to pay attention to, but oftentimes get overshadowed by better funded initiatives. As such, this month, we will discuss the sexually transmitted infections, sexual assault prevention, fertility awareness, instead of infertility awareness, and the state of Black maternal health. So let's begin. Prepared and in the know. Infertility awareness will be big this month. From support groups to fertility-boosting diets, you'll probably be bombarded with ads, messages, and posts about all things infertility, if you haven't been already. This month, though, we're going to focus on fertility awareness. Oftentimes, our patients get to our office not knowing the factors that are affecting their overall fertility, whether it be a reproductive health condition like PCOS, uterine fibroids, adenomyosis, or endometriosis, or the dreaded numbers, FSH, LH, estrogen, estradiol, antimalarian hormone, prolactin, and thyroid. And then there's also sperm count, concentration, motility, and morphology. Sadly, the first time many of us know our numbers is when we're having fertility challenges. And for some couples, it's too late to address because, well, we just can't turn back the hands of time. With this in mind, we're going to be proactive for throughout this month and talk about ways to stay on top of your fertility all throughout your life cycle so you will not be caught off guard whether you're trying to conceive now, later, or never. The first question is, do you desire children? Depending on where you are in your life, the answer could be a resounding yes or a resounding no. However, there's always a possibility that you're not sure. No matter what category you're in, overall fertility is what Some practitioners call the fifth vital sign. The other four vital signs are body temperature, blood pressure, respiratory rate, and pulse rate. Like these other four, fertility, during the reproductive years, is a signal of optimal health and wellness not to be dismissed, overlooked, or overshadowed by the other four. So let's start learning about fertility. By definition, fertility is the capability to produce offspring through reproduction following the onset of sexual maturity or menarche, which is the first occurrence of menstruation. Another term similar to fertility is fecundity, which is the possibility of becoming pregnant and is reflective of the duration between female menarche and menopause. While these terms sound practically the same, fecundity is influenced by the accessibility to the resources and access to possible mates. Thus, fecundability or fecundity is the ability of a female to produce progeny in a given reproductive cycle. Fertility is dependent on various factors such as lifestyle, stress, emotional and reproductive health, willingness, availability of a potential mating partner, and preventive measures being taken. Fecundity is not equal to fertility as the translation of the ability to reproduce is further dependent on a number of societal, environmental, and physiological factors. Okay, you caught me nerding out for a moment. So back to learning about fertility. First things first, you need to get to know your cycle. Most people do not have a physiologically healthy menstrual cycle evidenced by irregularity, pain, or heavy menstrual bleeding. Even if this is your normal pattern, these are not facets that you have to live with. Unfortunately, most providers will continue towing the company line and tell you that pain and irregularity at the onset of menstruation is just part of being a woman. Just so I'm clear, these are the lies that keep our pubescent girls who eventually become adult women trapped in a cycle of menstrual dysfunction with no healthy way out. You don't have to, and you don't need to live like this. And the time to address these concerns are in the first year of menstruation. Knowing what's going on with your cycle isn't only helpful when you're trying to get pregnant. Cycle tracking can give you a heads up on future periods or ovulation and reintroduce your body reintroduce you to your body's patterns after hormonal birth control or hormone therapy. It's also a great way to collect information for OB-GYN visits. And while you can easily track and predict periods and ovulation with a period tracker, Keep in mind that these predictions are usually based on a 28-day cycle and a 14-day luteal phase. Engaging accordingly with your app of choice and managing expectations about reliability is the user's responsibility. Did you know that since an egg needs to be released before the uterine lining sheds, meaning menstruation, birth control that suppresses ovulation won't give you a true period? Any vaginal bleeding is withdrawal, from hormone bleeding, yet another thing to think about and consider when utilizing birth control and beyond. The next matter at hand, who is on your care team? A provider trained in pregnancy and birth, either a midwife or an obstetrician, is key if biological children are in your future. Why does this matter if you're years out from trying to get pregnant? Not all OB-GYNs actually deliver babies. There's also a shortage of OB-GYNs of any kind Nearly half of U.S. counties don't even have one. It's worth getting a head start on the OB-GYN search by talking to friends and your insurance provider because it could take a while to find one that aligns with your personal, personal ethos. Some family physicians differ look for babies. However, an OB-GYN is crucial for high-risk pregnancies. This brings us to the annual visit. Yearly wellness visits are important for everything from updated vaccinations and overall vulval vaginal health to screening for cancers and sexually transmitted infections. This is an opportunity to get counseling on birth control, your menstrual cycle, regularity, and any other issues you're experiencing with sex. Why are these visits crucial? They give you time to discuss anything that's on your mind, even if it's not squarely related to reproductive health. If you'd like to discuss conception at this appointment, tell your provider in advance when scheduling, since it might extend your appointment time resulting in additional fees that may or may not be covered by your insurance provider. When to schedule. I recommend meeting with your provider within a year of first menstruation. These visits are an excellent way to an opportunity to discuss family planning. And no, it's never too early to be proactive. However, I would recommend a separate preconception visit when you're actually starting to try to conceive. Who should you go to? an OB-GYN, a midwife, or any provider who specializes in the care of people with ovaries. What do you bring with you? Details about your menstrual regularity, including frequency, which is cycle length from day one to day one, and duration, the number of days of menstrual flow, results from previous pap smears if you're going to a new provider, and any other health records. What to expect? Information about frequency of pap smear and HPV screening, which depends on previous results. And if you're under 30... Your previous pap and HPV, and your previous pap and HPV screenings are normal. You'll be screened every 3 years or so. If you're over 30 with normal screening results, you'll be screened every 3 to 5 years depending on your provider's preferences. Abnormal results may result in being screened earlier than these time frames. Remember, regular pap screening and breast and chest exams are crucial in keeping tabs on your reproductive health. Depending on your age, there are specific criteria for when to start testing and how often to get certain tests. These tests will typically happen at your annual visit. Because hormone markers are not usually part of a standard annual visit, you may need to request this lab work so the appropriate tubes will be ready at the time of your appointment, or you can opt to bring your results from a commercial fertility hormone test with you to initiate a discussion with your provider. Your hormone levels are a great way to kick off the conversation about having children one day. Many of us were taught about STIs in sexual education class, but did you also learn about their effects on fertility? Untreated gonorrhea and chlamydia can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease, an infection of the uterus, fallopian tubes, ovaries, and cervix. About 25 to 35% of infertility cases among people with ovaries involve damage to the fallopian tubes, which untreated PID or pelvic inflammatory disease can cause. Regularly testing can help you treat STIs before they lead to any issues down the line. I bet you don't know the difference between an STD and an STI. STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, and STIs, sexually transmitted infections, are similar, but they're not the same. An STD, which is the more familiar term with disease, means suggesting obvious symptoms. The eye for infection includes often overlooked issues with mild or no symptoms, which underscores the importance of timely screening. And speaking of STIs, the human papillomavirus, or HPV, is extremely common. So the vaccine is often recommended for people 26 and under, a recommendation based purely on the probability of first sexual encounter. About 80% of sexually active people get HPV at some point in their lives the vaccine is designed to protect you against two HPV strains that lead to about 70% of cervical cancers and 86 to 95% of other related cancers. While HPV on its own doesn't affect fertility, cancer and treatment, chemotherapy, and surgery can. While the vaccine is deemed safe to get from nine to 45 years old, it's important to get the vaccine before or after pregnancy, not during, which for me calls into question overall safety, but that's another pod. Also, if you're older than 26, talk to your doctor about whether or not the vaccine is truly needed. Did you know that the HPV vaccine is one of only two cancer-causing infections we have vaccines for? The other prevents hepatitis B, which can lead to liver cancer. While people get pregnant at all sizes, body fat percentage can affect conception. A low body fat percentage can make the hypothalamus, a vital part of the brain, sluggish and lead to irregular or absent periods. A high body fat percentage can increase estrogen levels, which also interferes with your cycle. In general, while it's natural to lose or gain weight over time, gaining one to two pounds a year is average, preventing future weight gain can make a difference in fertility. Did you know that even though body mass index or BMI is an imperfect measurement with a problematic history, especially for brown and black people, Because it's so easy to calculate, doctors and researchers continue to view it as the gold standard for estimating body fat percentage. Regular exercise is good for everyone. And we all have an amount that's optimal for us. Why does this matter for your reproductive health? For some people, more vigorous intensity exercise like running and swimming each week may cause an energy deficiency and negatively affect ovulation. With that said, Moderate intensity exercise, think workouts that you can talk through of any amount is beneficial. Now back to the numbers. How many kids do you want? Whether you want them and conception rates by age will all affect your timeline. If you desire children, have you visualized your plan for kids with the most important factors pulled into the mix? How do you determine the interconception period or the time between children? The clinical recommendation is 6 to 18 months. If you're doing IBF, data supports waiting 12 months after delivery before starting. Age and C-section can also increase recovery time after childbirth and delivery. Next up, endocrine disruptors. If you spent any amount of time in our practice, you've heard that phrase at least once. Reducing your exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals is practically paramount when learning about and supporting your fertility. These chemicals, including BPA, parabens, pesticides, phthalates, and sulfates are found in everything from plastics to, yes, menstrual products. They mimic your body's endogenous hormone production and cause changes that affect reproductive health and overall function. Research leaks endocrine-disrupting chemicals to ovulation issues, adverse pregnancy outcomes, and possibly PCOS, uterine fibroids, and endometriosis. While no exposure is impossible, small changes like glass over plastic can make a notable difference. Did you know that starting in 2025, the California Toxic-Free Cosmetics Act will prevent the use of 24 toxic chemicals in cosmetics? We're hoping to see similar bills in states all across the country. Now's the time to brush up on your medical history. Your medical and known family history can give you a heads up on possible issues down the line. If you can, ask your birth parent when they went through menopause. That answer can help you estimate when your cycles might come to a complete stop, which is the end of your reproductive window. Two more questions to ask, if they had trouble getting or staying pregnant, and if any known family members have had conditions that affected their reproductive health, like PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, high blood pressure, or diabetes. We touched on this briefly earlier on, and while you're learning about your fertility, getting a baseline is key. Testing and tracking your hormones every year is a great way to plan way ahead for kids. Why? Hormones are fertility detectives. They clue you in on ovarian reserve, your egg count, menopause timing, potential outcomes of egg freezing or IVF, and red flags that could get in the way down the road. When we talk about hormones, we focus on the major reproductive hormone players, including AMH, anti-malarian hormone, which measures ovarian reserve, TSH, which measures thyroid health, estradiol, FSH, and LH, which measures ovulation and periods. Prolactin, also known as the milk hormone, is also important to know because high levels suppress ovulation. Annual testing provides you fresh data and shows you how your hormones change over time so you can make informed decisions. Unfortunately, keeping finances on the brain is a necessary part of this fertility awareness journey. If having a kid is on your radar, there are unsurprisingly many costs involved in this process. Depending on how you're planning to conceive, think about the associated costs so you can start saving up or investigating options for insurance coverage. It's important to factor these expenses into your timeline for kids. Childbirth costs range from $8,000 to $19,000 with insurance. And how much you pay out of pocket can be anywhere from $1,000 to $2,500. Why is there a range? Vaginal birth versus C-section, which accounts for about 31 to 32% of deliveries in the United States. On average, each year of a child's life costs about $13,000. The U.S. Department of Agriculture puts the overall cost of raising a child at $233,610, and these costs vary widely from family to family. Having to revisit insurance coverage can be a drag. Getting pregnant, however you're doing it, isn't always free, even if you have insurance. If you do have insurance, it's a good idea to review your plan to see what it covers before you start trying to conceive. If you don't have insurance or want to switch plans for better coverage, keep in mind that you'll have to wait until open enrollment or a qualifying life event. Only 19 states, Alaska, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Montana, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Rhode Island, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia mandate fertility treatment coverage, and there are caveats like exempt plans or companies. Now's the time to review your state's coverage laws. Discussing your cycle changes with your provider is also important. Cycle changes can be a sign of an underlying issue like endometriosis, thyroid disorders, or PCOS. In general, it's good to reach out to your doctor if you experience sudden cycle changes, spotting between periods, bleeding for more than a week, extremely painful or unusually heavy periods, or go 60 days without a period at all. When it comes to what cycle length is considered normal, there is no general consensus. However, some sources utilize a 24 to 38 day range, while others utilize the 21 to 35 day cycle as the hallmark. At the center, we use the 28 to 35 day cycle as our benchmark and ultimately consistency that doesn't lead to other health issues is what's most important. Now that you're prepared and in the know, our next nugget will focus on getting your body ready so you're set for pregnancy one day. And now, back by popular demand, the wine segment. We revamped the wine segment to make it a little more personal and accessible so this month, we're going to be talking about my favorite springtime wines. Each year, rather than sticking to my same old favorites, I change the wine I drink with the seasons as an opportunity to experience a wider range of varietals and pairings. As the weather warms and my taste buds start to crave wines that are fresh and clean, I've started picking out some wines for their lightness and simplicity. As many of you know, I am not a white wine fan. However, the acidity in white wines enhances. It's refreshing, crisp qualities, making white perhaps a go-to as the weather weather gets warmer. Not all whites offer the same qualities, though. When the weather starts getting warmer, I'll opt for dry whites with high acidity and light to medium bodies as they tend to be crisper and more refreshing to me. Unoaked wines such as Albariño, Sauvignon Blanc, or Pinot Gris have a lighter, fresher taste, so they pair well with springy foods like seafood and poultry. As light wines go, these are typically meant to be consumed young when they have the most freshness and fruitiness. Chablis is another great springtime white. As an unoaked Chardonnay, it still appeals to those who prefer something lighter with a high acidity that pairs beautifully with wine-friendly foods such as a charcuterie board. Unlike Unlike its oaked counterparts, Chablis does not have a buttery finish or an overly ripe fruit character. For something a little less traditional and under duress, Albariño from Rías Baixas is a good, refreshing, and has a minerally almost salty kick that is absolutely delicious, even by my standards. Pair one of these with your favorite shades, a 65 degree day, and the smell of fresh cut flowers. Now you're ready to pour yourself a glass as you fire up your grill for the first time this year. Wow, so that's, it for this last negative season three. Tomorrow we welcome season four and celebrate one year of women's health, wisdom, and wine. Thanks for joining women's health, wisdom, and wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. Till we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.